Welcome to Practical Catholics. Wait. I thought hang you on. Gonna, yeah, I thought you were going to... Welcome to No Good Evangelists yeah. with Bob and Dan. Well, I thought we would switch the title since nobody's listening. Yeah, well, this is the best opportunity. Wait a minute. Do, do we know if somebody's listening? I mean, I haven't checked the statistics in a while, but... We can track that? Yeah, we can track statistics of how nice. many downloads and stuff. Yeah, I was thinking no practicing Catholics, because No Good Evangelists, people are going to look at that and like, I don't know what the heck that is. But practicing Catholics, I figure there's a lot of them out there. They uh-huh. probably might wonder what a practicing Catholic is. Practicing Catholic is a lot of practicing Catholics who are out there might wonder what they are. No, a lot of Catholics might wonder if they're practicing Catholics. Might think they're practicing Catholics, and may, they might want to tune in. Anyway, that was just an idea. You call us no good evangelists, and I'll call me. I'll call it what I want. <laughs> <laughs> random titles. Yeah. Random titles. And so, like, yeah, you can be like, welcome to No Good Evangelists. And I'll be like, welcome to No Good Evangelists. Or this is practicing awful. Catholics. You shut up. This is fine. This is terrible. What's the topic, Bob? Well, we've got to liven these things up. I don't want these to be so dry and all catechetical. So we got to, I think we should talk about ourselves. <laughs> nope. The, nothing's funnier than my life and yours. You and what mouse? What? I th- I think I ruined a phrase. You got a mouse in your pocket. That's what I meant to say. I don't even get it. What is that supposed to mean? It's like, because you're, you're, when, you're, when you say we're going to do something and the other person doesn't want to do it, it's like, who, who, who are you, who's the plural? Who, who are you speaking for? Since there's no one else around here. Never mind. You know what? You and what, mouse? That was not the phrase. Have I you heard that up. before? I've heard the phrase, you got a mouse in your pocket before, and then I messed it up. And I've heard you and what army, and then I messed him up. <laughs> you and what mouse? Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't have a mouse. Well, you can, you can tell People about... are probably interested. Well, it would be interesting to talk about didn't ourselves, and your... we can make fun of each other. Didn't you give your personal testimony the first time? Yeah. So what else is there to know? People might want to know details and how I'm coming and stuff like that. They might want to know about you, Dan. How'd you get to be so smart? I took a class. Read a book. That's it? You retain it pretty well. I've read books before. Well, yeah, I do have a pretty good retainer. You need, you need mean, a lot of uh, books. How many books do you think you've read? Oh, man. Um, not, not, a, not like a billion. Over, so. over a thousand? <laughs> Uh, I doubt it. No, I'll bet it's closer to the 300s. Okay. All right, cool. But you don't want to talk about yourself. No, I mean, I just did, didn't I? That's things. Those are things, and those are about me. Yeah, okay. Tell us about you. How many books have you read? I... It's like, I watch movies. The whole way through? (laughs) (laughs) Cover to cover? Yeah, and not just the cover. Less than 100. (laughs) Less than 100. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, the... So you don't want it to be all dry and academic, and you do want to talk about ourselves. Yeah, because nothing's funnier than reality. What do you want me to ask about you? Nothing. Never mind. (laughs) What's the topic for today? Uh, Mass. As in the holy sacrifice. As in going to on Sundays, or you're you're committing a grave sin. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty... Jump right in. Jump right into that. Why, why don't you? Yeah, well, it's let's not even prepare for we're the go, question. We're gonna limit it to mass, right? Not to not Holy Communion, not the Eucharist. Mass, mass like a like a big group. Like a, no nope. like mass. Nope. Mass like a the thing we do on Sundays, dude. The worship, I, true worship. I was gonna go into physics, but you went into yeah. Well, I I knew that was coming. I wanted to cut that off at the knees. What is it, Bob? What's the mass? What's the mass, Dan? Remember, I'm Cy Kellett, and you're Carl Keating. I have no idea. Who you're even? Let's just get. I'm the interviewer, that. and you're the supposed expert who commits heresies every now and then. Every now and then, but I correct them. 
Yes, no, no, none lately. Yeah. The mass is a sacrifice. Jesus made it. He was like, do this in memory of me, that uh, whole thing. He was okay. like, yeah, that's the mass. That was and the first mass? Right. So Jesus uh, did the bread and wine thing, an offering of bread and wine to God at Passover. And he said, do this. He's like, this is the thing. This is what you got to do. Part of Christianity, right? Wasn't so, a suggestion. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a command. He, goes, um, he didn't say, you know, if you feel like it. Right. He so said, that's do the, this. It, it's the uh, Christian sacrifice. It's a uh, so, uh, uh, fulfillment of the Passover sacrifice that Jesus did at, uh, at the Last Supper. Tell me more. What's the sacrifice? Yeah, the sacrifice is an offering to God of something valuable. Uh, and usually it involves destroying that thing. So that, because that's because that's, that's how you give some, someone something valuable. Yeah, here's a balloon, kid. Pop. Yeah, happy birthday. Where's my hammer? It doesn't normally work that way. No, well, God is different because he 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 doesn't need anything. Right, and he can't exactly like hold on to something. Right, because he's a spirit, you know. He just wants you to not have it any longer. He wants, yeah, sorta. He wants you to show that you love him more than the thing. Ah. So you give it up in, in favor of, uh, of offering it to God. Now, with, uh, there are different kinds of offerings, and the kind of offering that we do in the Mass is equivalent to what the Old Testament called a grain offering, because mm. um, we're offering bread, or a, or a drink offering, because we're offering wine. It's like a combo. Uh, combo meal. And the grain offering was <laughs> what, kind, what, what kind of sacrifice? I know the content, but what did it represent? Yeah, it was the it was the harvest. So they was would give it, the first fruits of their harvest to God. Was it for repentance or for thanks or for what? Yeah, my understanding is it's for thanks, which is also related closely related to the Eucharist. Because here's something you already know, Bob. What's that word mean? Eucharist. Thanksgiving. Uh huh. Yes, it's one of them hundred books or less than. Yeah. Now I'd have to check. I, I don't. I didn't look up what the. What the it's grain Greek. offering was for? No, oh, sorry. Not that. I didn't look up what the grain offering was for, but I think it was for th- for thanks thanks in thanks to God for giving them a harvest. They would offer the first fruits to Him, and uh, they, would, they would like be consumed uh, by the priests, I believe. So here uh, it is something that we all we all get to partake in as new priests. Nice. Yeah, that's the sacrifice. Okay. So we 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 uh yeah okay. Who's being sacrificed? That's another thing. This is a this is a human sacrifice. Yeah, what that? What's up with that? I thought we were all done with that human sacrifice business. Done with it? We never started it. That was one thing that was absolutely forbidden in the in the uh, even in the Old well, Testament. I saw Apocalypto. Do... They, you know, human beings did do this stuff. Yeah, they sacrificed. You know, they killed people, and I don't know, right. burnt them at put burnt them and offered them up to the gods. Right. Well, the dying of Jesus already happened, so we're not killing anybody. He, okay. He dies no more, says Scripture. Uh, so, yeah, the sense in which Jesus is offering himself as a sacrifice is not um, in the Mass, is not in the sense of him being killed, because they already did that. But he's uh, re... He, he's, um, Let's go back to the crucifixion. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. How did that appease God that we killed his son? How did that... I don't get it. You don't get, yeah, because uh, there's a couple different theories. I mean, he atoned, he made up for all the sins works. of the world by allowing himself to be killed. How does that whole thing work? I think we touched on this before. So it's it goes directly to the heart of the concept of sacrifice, but uh, it's it's an offering of something valuable for the sake of as as an act of prayer and devotion to God. So in Jesus Christ's case, he offered his life, and that's the best 
man has. The best we got. We gave God the best we got. We gave him his own son. And well, we our, do. Yeah. And our best he, representation I mean, he, of man. He did that. He was the one who gave the best thing that he could offer, which is his own life. Yeah. We didn't think. Yeah. We didn't think it was that this great thing. We mm-hmm. just thought we looked at it and we go, oh, man, that guy's getting murdered. Nobody at the time thought it was such a great thing. I mean, maybe Mary, because she was told beforehand that it would be for the rising of many in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was there. But no, other than possibly her. It was a Roman execution. Right. It looked like just a slaughterhouse yeah. up there. And yeah, what, but God knew that this was for something good. He was offering his, his life. He was laying it down in order, to, uh, in order to atone for us, to say, God, I'm offering you this great good uh, in exchange for um, forgiving the great evil that mankind's committed through their sins. So God took our evil and he turned it into something great. He does that often. Right. Now, we can offer sacrifices, too. So fasting is a sacrifice where mm-hmm. you don't eat food in order to offer that up as an act of prayer. And you say, you know, I, I value my relationship with God more than my, my pleasantry Hunger of my pangs. stomach. Yeah. And so you give that up in order to pray to God that, uh, you know, I've offered you this good, good thing, this valuable thing, uh, my comfort, it, for the sake of something better, which is a relationship with you. And then, you know, that's, that's a good thing, too. Yeah, and so this this act of God, but those are like little goods compared yeah. to the crucifixion. The so mass. this God dying for our sins at Calvary in the year thirty three, that's basically repeated at every mass, isn't that right? Well, repeated is a funky word. All right, is it? It's made present. Yeah, that's a big word. Well, it's a, <laughs> not, neither one's that big of a word, but yeah, it's it is uh, reenacted. It's reenacted. I, I think I just tried to correct your small words to the even bigger one. <laughs> That's a big word. Let me take that and make it bigger. <laughs> what up? <the laughs> Let me take that two-word phrase and no, uh, but not reenacted. Like he's not dying again, but it's um, it's the same sacrifice, is it not? Yeah, but he's alive now. So his sacrifice began began when he offered the Calvary sacrifice, uh, or when he offered the um, Passover sacrifice and said, "This is the new covenant in my blood." So why do we reenact it? Because he said to. Good point. <laughs> no, there's more more to it than that. He wants us to participate in his sacrifice of uh, himself, in his blood. Right. And uh, he wants that. He, it's part of being in his body that we participate in his sacrifice. Yeah. Well, he never said do this every week, though. Uh, no, I don't think he said, the at least not in the in the Gospels. He didn't say how often to do it. Right. But nonetheless... That's what the early Christians did. You can read about that in Acts of the Apostles. It says, uh, on the first day of the week, when they gathered to break bread. In Acts chapter, I think it's he, 7. He might, I bet he told them. 20 verse 7. He probably told them to do it on Sundays, but it probably wasn't recorded. That's what I'm guessing. Could be. There are many things he said that weren't recorded, according could, to John's gospel. Couldn't, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. But yeah, since the Acts of the Apostles says that they, when they are on Sundays, when they gathered to break bread. That implies that that's what they did on Sundays. Yeah, it was a normal practice. I don't know if that's an implication or just an outright saying that's what they did on Sundays. I remember once I heard that at Mass, we go back in town. We go back in time. Back in town, Bob. <laughs> we, I'm old, dude. We go back in time, and we're, at, we're present at the base of the cross in Calvary. And then I heard Dr. David Anders said, no, we don't do time travel. Well, I mean, yeah. It, but it, it, this is, I don't think the church has said whether we do time travel. But um, we're not going back in time. That yeah, sacrifice I, is made present today. So, so you're entering in, the, you're, you're getting, eternity comes to earth during the mass. So it's like, 
there's a moment where there's not time. Okay. So it is. It's it's a little mystical. So we're not going back in time. I I mean I would uh, if someone said that I wouldn't correct them. Okay. Because I would I would try to un- say I know what they're coming from and maybe I would even say that's a theory and the church hasn't condemned it so they're allowed to say that. You know. Okay. But yeah. I heard yeah. So it's it's that it's that same sacrifice made present same. Um, the the moment Ethics. the moment of the cross is united to the moment of the mass. Right. So, so it's the same efficacy, only it's in an unbloody manner. Basically, is that it? There were some big words in there, Bob. <laughs> I mean, it has an effect. The mass has an effect. Yeah, it does. It has an effect. The it same effect souls. as the actual event in the year thirty-three. Yeah, and it, that's because the events are united. But the Holy Spirit makes them one. Okay. One Beautiful. Thing. That's awesome. So now that you know that. Imagine that next time at mass, maybe you'll be more appreciative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. You're not. I, you could say with Doctor Anders, you haven't time traveled, but nonetheless, that's the moment that you're participating in. Right. So, who's the principal priest in every mass? Is it the guy in the collar? No, he's a secondary priest. Okay, so Second who, who's the, the principal then? Jesus is the principal priest. The guy being offered is the main focus of the event. Well, he's also, so he's the priest and the guy being offered and the sacrifice? He's the sacrifice and the sacrificer. Wow. Offerer and offering. Wow. Well, he's a cool guy. He can do a bunch of things at once. But that's what he did on the cross. He was, he was offering himself. Okay. He was both offerer and offering in that moment. Yeah. Priest and victim. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So, Bob, why do we do Mass? Okay. Uh, Dan? Why do we do mass? <laughs> well, Jesus said to. It saves souls. And, you know, that's where all the cool people hang out. Okay, so, so. it saves souls. It saves... Okay. Beautiful. I think we already answered that question earlier, so... Yeah. What's the best method of... Uh, what, did, what should you do at mass? You just go and just kind of... I just... I heard we're I supposed just, to participate. I just zone out and stare at the artwork. Is that, is that what I should be doing, Bob? I think it's important that you're there. Okay. So I'm, so I'm good then. I, I swear. I think that's all we're supposed to do. <sighs> well, you're wrong, Bob. Dang it's it. not all we're supposed to do. We got to respond. We got the responses. We got to kneel. We got to stand. Yeah. I we got to sing. Do I have to sing? I have a, I have a terrible voice. Yeah, I'm not sure if you have to sing. The, the official phrase is assist with reverence, attention, and devotion. So let's break down each of those words. First one, attention. assist. So I just got to be there. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> assist. So how do you, what do you do, what, what you do at mass is supposed to, in some sense, help the priest. It's like, he's not just doing it for himself up there. What do I got to do? Get up on the altar and give him the cups and stuff? What's going on? Not, not unless you're an altar boy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to serve. At mass and assist. Okay. But one of them is to pray. Actually, sit there and use your head to make prayers to God. Shouldn't I be paying attention to what the priest's saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's there too, but that's prayer. The whole thing's a prayer. Oh, that's prayer. But it's not, it's not like you pay attention like, okay, now he's going over to the cup. Now he's washing it. And you're like focused on that. It's more like... You can pray in your own I mean, way. You can do that, I guess. But you you pray while he's doing those things, and you what? Give me an example of something that you'd say in your head during the mass. Thank you, O Lord, for this mass. Thank you, O Lord, That'd for be, your sacrifice. Yeah, or I I, I offer this for my uh, for my niece or my son or something. That would be something to say. Okay. 
Um, All right, so your reverence, what's that supposed to mean? Well, hang on. What what hangs me up is that I ran out of things to pray after like 10 seconds. So what do you do? (laughs) Start thinking about other things? Well, that's my problem. I sort of zone out and stare at the art. (laughs) Is that okay? I I, I, want to say no, and I want to say it's better than nothing, right? (laughs) Well, you're being reverent, and you're being— Part of the reason they have the art there is to refocus your attention on what's going on at the Mass. Beautiful. So— I'm using it when I'm when I go and zone out and look at the art, but if I stayed there, it's not ideal. Yeah, you know? right. I don't think it's a sin to to zone out and stare at the art, but it's certainly not perfection. I mean, it's so. you know, I guess we should try and be attentive for the whole hour and ten minutes with all the announcements. Yeah. So Sorry, I got a little pay attention announcements at the mass. Go ahead. Pay, you got to pay attention, but not like. I mean, we got staring bulletins. at each thing and being bulletins. like sweating bullets. You can put some of those announcements in the bulletin. You got to have devotion, so you got to show up each time and like not be looking like a slob. So you should wear your. Can you wear jeans? Should you wear your Sunday best? You should wear your Sunday best. Like you're yeah. going to a wedding. Well, that seems a little. That seems a little different. <laughs> <laughs> should wear your Sunday best. Oh, like you're going to a wedding. It is sort I, of like a wedding. Yeah, there, there's that, but uh, I don't think. He, so that that can turn into, you have to you have, you have to be wary of not being pompous about your mass attendance, mm-hmm. too, because that's you don't want to draw attention also to bad. yourself too with this like overdoing it with you know like your tuxedos and whatnot. Yeah, so like go to a mass and see uh, see dress how you nicely, can dress nicely, right? Yeah, wear something nicely. that's nice, but not try not to stick out like a sore thumb because you're like, oh well. I recognize that this is a wedding of Jesus, and my and I'm going to see the King. Therefore, I'm going to dress like, yeah, like you're, yeah. I mean, that's that would that would also be. There's a vice there. Yeah, thinking too much of yourself. So. Right. Yeah. So that those are some of. The, I hope that's clear. Is that clear enough for how you're supposed to be at mass? You're supposed to be at mass. You're supposed to dress nice. You're supposed to be attentive. Pray along with the priest. Be devoted. Look and at if all pic- else fails, stare, stare at the pictures. Stare at pictures is okay, just as long as you're not thinking about what you're going to do after Mass. Stay in the moment. Unless what you're going to do after Mass is holy. Give up that. It's a, it's a, I heard Father Mike say it's a sacrifice. So it's like you don't have to be, you know, thrilled about going. You don't have to be entertained. It's a sacrifice for you to go. To be honest, I don't get this big thrill out about, about going to Mass. So it's like, is it, this is just an hour I'm giving to God. I'm not getting it back, but I'm giving it to him, and I'm, I'm happy to do it. But I'm not happy while I'm there. I'm not, like, well, you're, I mean, you're, whistling. And, hopefully you're not sad while you're there. But No, I'm not sad. But I'm right. kind of, yeah. I think you, you expressed it well, Bob. That is, uh, it, it's, not a, it's not entertainment. It's, it's an offering to God, and treat it like It's one. not about me. It's not about, what am I getting out of this? There's a different kinds of masses. I'm I'm hearing all these great things about the Latin Mass. Only I've only ever went to once. What do you know about that? Uh, it was only Mass up until like 50 years ago, right? No, it wasn't the only Mass. Oh. Um. So yeah, it's a it is a language in which Mass is celebrated, and uh, Latin is a is the is the language of the Church, at least of the Western Rite of the Church. Um, it's what all the documents get published in. So. Not only that, the priests face the other direction. So there's, so this is an interesting thing. I want to focus on the language for a minute. Why is Latin the language of the West of the Roman Catholic Church? I have no idea. I've less, read less than a hundred books. I'm not the, sorry. That was like an introductory thing. It was oh, like a heading. Rhetorical. So more. I don't know. Um, so the, there's a couple things behind that. One, 
that's uh, there's just geographical reasons for it. This was this church is founded in Rome, which is in Italy, and that that was the language at the time mm-hmm. in in Rome and Italy. Um, so that, that's a reason why it's the official language of the church there. And then there's just sort of inertia that that took over. But there's also some theological mysticism and stuff. Hmm. There's three languages that Jesus is uh, attributed to, attributed of saying. No, that that were knocked on, that, that were nailed above his head. The uh, thing is that Jesus, King of the Jews. Sure, they were Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. So, Greek, uh, the, all of those are used by uh, by the church. Mostly, Greek and Hebrew are part of the Bible, and then Latin is uh, is like a liturgical, prayerful. <clears throat> prayerful language that the church uses for documents and stuff. That's not to say that so this this mystical stuff that we attribute to the Latin language, it's like it's it's holy and it sounds nice, uh, is not not to imply that this language is better than any other and that if you don't use Latin, you're doing it wrong. It's not it's not what that means. But there's something God chose to write Latin, Hebrew, and Greek above his son's head. And we may not know exactly why, but there's something to that. There's something to those languages that he thought was meaningful. Okay. It's not there by coincidence. So because it's in the Bible that it was written on the cross. Latin has some sort of specialness to it. Okay. And that's, that's why some people prefer, or that's one reason why some people prefer the Latin Mass. Others say, well, it's just pretty. It's a Romance language. It's like Italian or Spanish, and things sound prettier than in those languages in, in some people's minds. Well, what about the, don't they say, how long was it said in Latin, and then they just started putting it in the vernacular all of a sudden, like 100 years ago or something? Isn't that true? Not exactly. Uh, generally? <laughs> Is it generally true? No, it's not even generally true. It's just not true. It's... I thought it, they always said the Mass in Latin up before till Vatican II. It depends on who they is. I would say the majority of Masses were done in Latin. But not all. So there were uh, all the Eastern churches have typically used Greek. Say in here in Michigan, it was said in Latin until Vatican II. Is that true or not? Not entire. No, it's not true. Okay. It wasn't always said in Latin in Michigan until until 1962 or whatever year you said. There were also Eastern Catholics, for example, who used alternative languages. And if I remember right, even here in Michigan, this is one of the areas where during the evangelization of the Native Americans, which was in the 1600s, the popes permitted the use of vernacular language masses Hmm. for purposes of, among other things, instruction. They didn't know Latin. We're introducing you to the mass. We're going to do it in your language to start out, and then maybe we'll transition to Latin later. Hmm. It's never been, it was never a hard and fast rule that mass could only ever be done in Latin. It was... It was a general rule for most churches, but not there were there were sig- significant exceptions. Okay, that's so. news to me. Now talk about how why the priests face the other way. When, when did that change? Did they always? When did they start facing us? I guess is the question. <laughs> well, this <laughs> when is another and why? Thing, this is another thing. So if you if you go to any big church in Italy, these these huge not any. I'll, there was never there was also never a rule that the priest had to face away from the people but the the concept of doing that is that the priest uh is he's leading the congregation in an offering to god and then there's another uh if the priest faces the people the concept there is that he's presenting something to the people he's he's presenting a sacrifice he's presenting all this stuff uh and he's and he's doing something for the people so he's so he looks at them and both of th- that's been permitted uh, there's never been a version of the Mass that was only supposed to be done one way. 
the old rubrics from the 1500s and, and before that even say either the priest faces the toward the uh, toward the back of the church or the, the the way the people are facing or he faces toward the people and they had different rubrics for which way he was facing hmm. so it's, it's a myth that uh, mass was only or that they're only offered in in the direction that the people were facing or that there was a rule that required that there was never neither one of those is true i've heard people who seem like scholars say that the latin mass has more you get more blessing out of going to the latin mass is there any truth to that that's the first I've heard it. I, I would say um, maybe in that, uh, yeah, I would say maybe, because you are using that that mystical language and you are um, you're doing something extra for God okay. there, so that you He could bless that. But uh, I don't think it's necessarily true that this this one is inherently. I don't think it's true that you get more graces from this better. one or that one. Not inherently, but if if you do it because you say I want to do this extra thing for God and I want to offer Him something better, a, a more beautiful sounding mass and, su- and such like things like that. If those are your intentions, then God will bless those additional extra special intentions that you go to the Latin mass with. Okay. But it's not inherent that What's it would the, be better. I also hear high and low mass. No idea what that means. Yeah, the, they're not part of the standard masses anymore. But uh, a high mass, um, I'm try, I, th- I think I'm going to get this wrong. I didn't prepare for the, one checking of the, what these things are. But there's a lot more singing at a high mass. Okay. So uh, the priest is singing prayers. Priest and the choir. There's like a choir who's singing it, and uh, the people join in. A high mass, what, a high mass is before they uh, changed everything to mostly being in, in English or whatever language of your in country In the vernacular. Is. Yeah, there you go with big words again, Bob. Yeah. Uh, well, you, instead of saying English or French in Paris, you can just say the vernacular. Yeah, you can, but then you have to define that because no one knows what vernacular means. They can look it up. All right. Anyway, before that, before they changed everything to your vernacular, Thank you. most things to vernacular, they used to have mass in high version, which was involved more participation by the people in the singing and in the and in the um responses to the prayers and stuff and then they had low mass which was really quiet and the priest would do almost everything in in silence or like whispering up there in the altar and then the people in the pews would do their own private devotions and prayers why is he while whispering he was doing that why is he whispering because it was a low mass <laughs> low volume i mean it's like <laughs> we the people can't hear him and god doesn't need him to be audible why bother Right. That, Speak up or a, zip it. That's the way I look at it. Low mass is typically shorter. It was, uh, I don't know if it was more popular. I, I suppose it was probably more popular. Low mass is popular. typically shorter? I got to find myself a low mass. <laughs> They're hard to find now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the high mass is, is more like the one we're familiar with. So there's a lot more pre- pre- audience participation in the various things that the priest is saying and responses and songs and things. Okay. I got a word here, solemnity. What's that supposed to mean? Man, it's a type of feast day. Okay. So it's uh there there are, are different grades of feast days, and I I want to say solemnity is the highest kind. Nice. And I'm not a liturgical guy, so I'm, <laughs> I could be getting this wrong. There might be there might even be divisions there. Like, well, there's high solemnities and low solemnities. I don't know. You'd have to ask someone else because right. I'm, I'm not a liturgy guy. And there's not only are we supposed to go every Sunday. There's also these holy days of obligation, like on could be a Thursday, and you have to go to those. How many of those we got? Depends on what country you're in. Yeah, for us. Uh, four. 
What are they? Go. Oh, man. <laughs> the Immaculate... I look them up on the day of. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's Immaculate Conception, December 8th, Mother of God, January 1st. Christmas. Christmas and Easter. So there must be more than you four. You don't got to because... say Easter because that's always on a Sunday. Okay. Then the All Saints Day. All Saints Day? November 1st. And the, the Assumption, did you say? Man, I did miss one. So there's at least six, five. <laughs> yeah, I've lost count already. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's assumption too. Assumption. What's up with that swinging? It's, it's August fourteenth. Uh, uh, smoky stuff. Incense. That's it. <laughs> what is that? What purpose does that serve? Um, it's there's something mystical about it. It's just like yeah, the way I look at it is this is a something. lot of the answers to this stuff is like we're not exactly <laughs> I, at least I'm not exactly sure. Right. Well, you read in Revelation how the incense rises up to God like prayers. I think maybe that's supposed to symbolize. The, I think you got it backwards. The prayers rise like incense. Um, yeah. yeah, the incense rises. I don't see prayers. Right, but the, prayers go up to God as... Anyway, um, incense is used throughout the Old Testament and, and the New with the wise men offering incense to Jesus and then Revelation saying there's incense go in the, that goes up to God or at least some, it's used <laughs> in, as an analogy. Sure. So it's all over the Bible that incense is a good thing and it's related to prayer. And that, that's about the extent of where I'm aware of it. I don't even like the stuff. I don't like the smell. I don't find it appealing. Right. It makes me cough. I'm like, eh. Are you one of those guys who just, like, can't stand it? No, I don't. It's not that I can't stand it. I'm not a fan. You never left a mass, though, over it. Yeah, I've never, I'm not going to leave mass over them using incense. I, that would, I think that, that Seems like be. it's very strict what they're supposed to do up there. I hear people complaining about abuses all the time, like, oh, this person did this, and this person did this, and some women are doing this, and some altar boys are women, and, you know, people are very sensitive about this stuff. Yeah, that uh, that goes all the way back to the Bible. Saint Paul complained about liturgical abuses in the Second Book of Corinthians. He saw, he talked about uh, what, the phrase that always pops in our mind when this topic comes up is him saying everything needs to be done decently and in order. And I think that a lot of people who complain about liturgical abuses would strongly agree. With yeah. Him there. Well, what do you think about <laughs> girl yeah. altar servers? The church permits it, so I'm okay with it. What about? Okay, cool. But yeah, there there are the the church has uh, a book of how that has in it how you're supposed to do the mass, and you should follow that book. That's the <laughs> that's the basic thing. They what about extraordinary extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion? Same thing. Church permits it, so you're okay with it. The church, yeah, the church permits it, and so I'm okay with it. But there are um, the church when the church the church permits it under certain. Um, it says stuff about it that you're sure. supposed to do. Under rubrics. Under rubrics. <laughs> and what, yeah, big words again. <laughs> That's red letters, and they mean, and the, the red letters in the book signify the rules that you have to follow, or you're supposed to follow, or you need to, but a lot of people don't. You know, just between me and you, when I go up to communion, I want to get it from the priest. And when I do, okay. I take it on the tongue. If I just some person from the crowd, I take it in the hand because it's already been defiled as far as I'm concerned. Holy moly, Bob. Talk about it. <laughs> That is not what the church says. Priest hands. I'm telling you my opinion. Priest hands, my tongue. If he's going to pass it off to someone else to hand it out, you can put it right in my hand. Okay. Uh, so extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion is a long term. That's other people who are giving out the Eucharist. Right. Like they hand out the bread and they, or the, what looks like bread and the, and the wine. They, they do, other people can do that besides the priest. Is that a relatively new thing? No, it's not. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I'm sure about this, and I can give you quotes and citations for it, too. All right, what year did that start happening? I, I don't know when it started, but all the way back as far as early as uh, the 100s. No way. references to it. Shut yeah. the front door. 
not even joking. Justin Martyr in the in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation. Justin Martyr is a saint who wrote a book way back when in the 100s. And he said that after the everyone else gets Eucharist, the priest gives it to lay people who take it to the sick. Okay. So that's the first instance. But of, not but that's outside of mass. I presume I don't know if it's outside of mass. It could, if the sick are at mass, I think it, I think it's outside. You're like, well, then the priest would go and give it to him because they're right there. Do you receive it on the tongue know. or in the hand? In the hand. Okay. Have you always? No, I was convinced to. I was persuaded that it was. Uh, it could be a noble offering to God. <laughs> there's like there's a mystical sense in which you receive on the hand, and the church fathers talk about when you when you receive on the hand, you make of your hands a throne on which the Son of God sits. And uh, I thought that was cool. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So you read that and then started, and you changed. Yeah, because my parents taught me to receive on the tongue because that's uh, not, that's a way of honoring God by not defiling him with the parts of your hands that, like, that you wipe with and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's uh, an important thing, a thing that I think is important here is that there's room for what I want to call subjectivity here. Like, if you, there, there's all sorts of meanings that you can apply by, by strictly by means of your intention to the things you do. You can say, the reason I'm doing this is because I think that this is, is, a, is a mystically nice and cool thing to do for God. And someone else can do the complete opposite of that and also think that they have some cool reason for doing that. And God will bless both of them. Hmm. So you can receive on the tongue and say, I do this because this is the way to honor God. And that you're perfectly right. Even if you, in your mind, are thinking and doing it the other way is dishonor to God. Uh-huh. You can think that as long as you're not trying to be dogmatic about it, I guess, would be the thing. Because uh-huh. someone else can do that thing for a really good, noble reason that the church approves of. And that's also, God's going to bless that too. If you went to the Pope, would you take it on the tongue or in the hand? In the hand. You think anybody takes it in the hand when they get it from the Pope? Yeah. I'd like to see some evidence of that. I think sometimes when people, you know, it's like a kind of when in Rome thing. If you're at a communion rail, you're going to kneal. If you go to a mass and everybody's taking right. it on. I, I, mean, I saw a video online. So where I they're... usually go to an Eastern Catholic church and I can't receive in the hand because they deal it out with a spoon. Is they, that right? They have a spoon that the Eucharist, they have like what they look like croutons that go, that go into the cup and they lift those out. And then you like bend, bend your head back and they it's, sort of pour it into your mouth. They it's, pour it? I mean, out of the spoon, like they, oh, they don't okay. stick the spoon into your mouth. And they, it's bread. It's a it's a host. Yeah, it's bread. It looks a little bit like a crouton, though. A crouton it, is, is also a, bread. Is it a cube? Uh, um, no, but like, but also, yeah, it's like cubish. Okay. So I think they start out as cubes, but they sort of get deformed. Did you ever kneel and take they're... it? Did you ever kneel and receive? Yeah, I do sometimes kneel and receive. I know it. Uh, yeah. Old Saint. Well, a church around here, we. You, you, they do the communion rail. What what about people who just kneel right when walking up? Like, yeah, you're people, allowed to do yeah, that. People, At least here in the United States, we have an indult from the Holy Father or from the Bishop's Conference that says we can do that. And some priests refuse, though. I've seen videos. They're like, no. Well, what yeah. did we say about liturgical abuses? That's, That's it. The, they got to listen to the rules. Yeah, there are, there are rules, and the rules say this is okay. It's okay for people to receive kneeling down. So if, if they don't allow them, they're, not, they're the ones not following the rules. What benefits do we get from the Mass? Can you articulate that? Uh, yeah. Salvation of your soul is a big one. <laughs> uh, extra graces from God, blessings for uh, 
for following his will, the grace of the graces that come with obedience. And we get to there. receive the Eucharist, which is the source of the summit. Yeah. It's Jesus himself. He gets to live inside you. We'll talk about that on another episode. All right, you get, let's you get communion with all the saints and angels who are also there at every mass. Oh, they show up? Yeah, they show up. Every mass. I told you you're in a, you're in a moment of eternity with yes. mass. It's like you, heaven meets earth. So every mass is like what if they're like every angel and saint is at my mass or just some yeah. of them? Every single one cuz that's they're all in heaven and heaven comes to earth at every mass no matter where it is. How can they be in all those places at once? God's super cool. He can do weird things. We can't even see it, but he's either bending space and time or else he just makes them all itty bitty. Yeah. He's got. And Mary, too. Probably misunderstanding something about that. And Mary, too. But she's got her body. Yeah, she is. And she's invisible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. All right, let's wrap this up. You got any final thoughts about the Mass? Mass is awesome. Get to Mass this week, folks. Yeah. You know, God doesn't ask a lot. One hour a week, well, he does ask a lot. But as far as worship goes, you just got to show up one hour a week. You know, he's got every right to say, you know what, you got to come to Mass every day. But he does have the right to do that. I mean, he's a merciful, well, he's, he didn't, so he chose to give us one day a week. He didn't. But praise God, go to plus, Mass. Plus a couple extras scattered throughout the year. Dress nice, pay attention, hang out a little bit afterwards. Don't be in such a rush. All right? Amen, Bob. Those are good final thoughts. Praise the Lord. Thanks, folks, for listening to No Good Evangelists. We'll see you next time on Practicing Catholics.